Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Dismayed and Afraid Week 2. We are fresh into fall. And this season that we're in, the series that we're talking about, fear. We're talking about fear. The anchor scriptures, Isaiah 41, 10. Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous hand, which is a hand of justice, power, victory, and salvation. Today we're talking about the fear of how you look. If you missed last week's message on fear for your health, make sure you go and get that. Fear is an unpleasant emotion, a feeling of anxiety caused by a belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause a pain or threat to you personally. In that and knowing what fear is, who's making you fearful when it comes to the way you look, to how you are perceived. Dismay is consternation and distress typically caused by something unexpected, which causes you to lose courage and resolution because of fear. Who's making you feel dismayed when it comes to how you look? Anything that causes you to sense fear, dismay, terror, fright, panic, distress, anxiety, worry, angst, or has caused you in any way to be uneasy or panicked is not from God. It's evil. It's evil at its root. And it's a tactic that's used for control to manipulate, shame, or guilt you into doing something for a desired outcome that has nothing to do with you personally, but it needs your cooperation to be completed. We know that we get to this place by putting human beings in the seat of God, okay? Which is how we become fearful of men, how we become fearful of others. Now, there's opinions. This is Proverbs 29, 25. It's dangerous to be concerned or fearful of what others think of you. But if you trust in the Lord, you will be safe. When we let people tell us who we are, what we're worth, or how we should feel, it's a trap. God calls you a son or a daughter, right? He says that you're priceless. He calls you redeemed. Now, there are only two people in the whole world who know your heart, God and yourself. So a media representative, a politician, a Facebook creep, or somebody on Instagram, they have no authority over you. They might be able to tell you and give you some esteem, but they have nothing to say about your worth or who you are. Plus, when it comes to you, when it comes to your heart and who you are, you're pretty much keeping people on a need-to-know basis. That's kind of where we, where we are in 2021 right now. When it comes to your heart, most of us are operating on that need to know basis. We've got a pretty good front up and we're keeping people at arm's length. It takes a little bit to dig in to get to know somebody. And so then every time that a person speaks, there is intention behind it. So don't think that just because it's a nice lighthearted commercial or video or post that there's not intention. There's great intention behind everything that's said. Every post, commercial, news story, every message, there's, there's a heart and there's root behind it. If you do not know the intention of the post or the or any media that you're watching, regardless of how it makes you feel, you must not respond. Don't respond if you don't know the intention, because when you don't know the intention and you respond, you tend to respond from emotion, which means you are not thinking, you are acting. You're acting. And in today's world, instead of thinking with logic, we tend to act out of or from our emotion. And this is a direct result of our overexposure to media and marketing, which leads most people to listen with their eyes, right? And make decisions with their emotions. Well, how did that make me feel? Well, that makes me feel like that. So I should do this, right? 
And as a result of our listening with our eyes and thinking with our emotions, our logical thinking is cloudy, very cloudy. And so when you're fearful about what others think about you based on what you do, how you look, um, uh, what sign you put in your yard, what you said last week, did you post that too? Did you retweet that, right? When you're worried about that and you start doing, doing these things that are outside of your values, outside of what you um, believe in your heart, it's going to raise eyebrows, especially if it doesn't match your character, right? And if you don't want to be in fear of what you look like, then stop acting like it. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. If you don't have anything to hide, then stop hiding. If you don't have anything to, to, to win, stop, stop trying to win. There's nothing to win. Just be yourself. Be who God's called you to be. And if you don't like you, okay, or you know that you need help, you need to find and receive Jesus, period. You can text me. I would love to start that conversation with you. So then the flip side of that is, is we're worried about what other people think about us because of what we do and what we say and how, what we have in our yard and, and what we drive and all the other things, right? The other side of that is this, when you know better, okay, and say nothing or do nothing, you're just as guilty. You're not helping anybody and you're definitely not helping yourself. Silence to evil, silence to negative, silence to power, control, corruption, silence in any of that is agreement. It's approval. Just as much as not voting is empowering those who believe different than you. And then we want to sit back and we want to complain about what we didn't vote for. Okay. So then when it comes to people, the human race, Romans 14, 9 tells us to work for the things that make peace and help each other become stronger believers. This means and is rooted in truth. This means we work for the things that make peace and help each other become stronger believers. You're not going to become a stronger believer rooted in evil, lies, deception, corruption, any of that stuff, right? Now let's go back to the emotions and the logical side of this. Emotions definitely play a huge part, okay? A huge part in the decision-making process. For example, anxiety, stress can keep us all from making poor decisions, right? But on the other side, boredom can lead to making really dumb decisions. I've done that before. I've been there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. Seek His will in all you do. His will is truth for your life. And He will show you the path to take. And so then in all of what's happening today, you must acknowledge your emotion. Okay? You have to pay attention to the way that you're feeling. That's super important. But you must recognize that your emotions can distort your thinking and influence your behavior, especially when we make decisions based off of emotion. So then what do we have to do? Moving forward, we have to raise our logic and decrease the emotional reactions that we have. Decrease the emotional reactions. Let's move forward with logic. How do we do that? By seeking truth first. We must seek the truth first. Then when you seek the truth, you can think logically, right? And then you can see options that you have. And when you think logically, you prevent your emotions from leading your decision making. Okay. If you're unaware of how to seek truth, you find it in your creator. You find it in God. Who's your creator? God, right? God's the source of true wisdom and knowledge. James 1.5 tells us if you do not have wisdom, ask God for it. He is always ready to give it and you will never, and, <laughs> and he will never say you're wrong for asking. You're never going to be wrong for asking for wisdom. 
you will be wrong and you will find yourself playing in the wrong pool if you're operating off of emotion and reacting to evil. Okay, now I want to tackle this head on because we're talking about how you look, right? First John 4.20 says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Man, love that. Just thanks, John. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. What is this saying? God can't stand lip service. And the reality is neither can people. Neither can people. And that's the problem. Lip service is not connected to your heart. Actions always speak louder than words, right? We can say all that we want to say and we can post all that we want to post and we can do all that we want to do. But if it's, if it's disconnected from our heart and it only has to do with our hands, if our due identity is disconnected from our heart, then it's empty. It's empty. So then you must ask yourself, not just where is your heart, but how is your heart? Your heart must be connected to those actions because, because this, even when people are polite, that doesn't mean that they're honest. Just because people are polite doesn't mean they're honest. And just because people are kind doesn't mean that they love. It doesn't. John 13, 34 and 35 says, love one another as I have loved you. This is Jesus telling us, hey, fine, I'm going to give you one more thing. Okay. And really one more thing is just the first thing. But because you're ignoring the first thing, I'm going to give you one more thing. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And the truth is when, when people hear the word must, they're like, not me. I'm, I'm on YOLO. I... I do what I want to do. Must. You're not going to force me to do anything. Okay? But Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, big if, in 2021, if you love one another. What am I saying? Polite, kind, and honest mean nothing without love. They're empty. Operate in love. Now, the next question is this, do you think that race, religion, and culture in regards to how people look or are perceived is only an issue in America? Think about who we are as Americans. Think about who we have here. And African Americans, Asian Americans, Italian Americans, French Americans, Polish Americans, Irish Americans, German Americans, Hispanic Americans, Latino Americans, Scottish Americans, the list goes on. If I left you out, I apologize, not, not my intention. This is the land of opportunity. People come from everywhere to get here, and they do whatever it takes to get here. People are not coming to our country to be told no. America is not the land of can't, right? And so people are not coming here to be told no or to be dictated to, and people don't live here to be told no or to be dictated to. So then, when you think about every different culture and race and nationality, it's a melting pot, right? Of the 331 million plus people that call America home, 60% of them are white. What do you mean by white? Italian, French, English, Irish, German, Scottish, etc. Right? There's no pure white. So then, everyone has foreign roots. I'm German. See? And it's probably why I'm so stubborn. Maybe Heather would say that. And she's Irish. She's Irish. So then we could really get into some scuffles if we wanted to. We don't because we choose love. We don't because we choose love. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. It's not easy. But love always wins. Love always wins. So then of the 331 million of us, 60% are white. 
18.5% are Hispanic or Latino. 13.5% are African American. 6% are Asian. 2.8% are two or more races. And 1.5% are Native American, Hawaiian, Alaskan, or Pacific Islander. What I'm saying is there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. There's no such thing as two groups of people in America. Because what connects the right and the left is the middle. It's the body, right? And so then we are a melting pot. Nowhere else on earth, nowhere else on earth will you find all of these people trying to live together and trying to make it work. You're just not going to find it. And if you think this is only a U.S. issue, which is the original question, do you think this is only an issue in America? I want to know, have you ever left the country? Have you ever left the country? France, for example, has two types of people. French and everyone else. No Dumb and Dumber references, please. Regardless of what you think about the French, they're super sharp people. But why? Because they haven't allowed it. You have the French and you have everyone else. It works the same way in Germany. Australia has been the best country I've ever been to. It's the best I've ever been treated. But when you go to these other countries and you realize that there, are, there really are two groups of people, there are the nationalists, the natives, those who live there, who are born, bred, and die there, and there's everybody else. Who do you think gets the favor in those countries? Who do you think has favor in those countries? It's not, it's not group number two, okay? So what we have now, what's being pushed in America is this monocultural idea, right? And monocultural means I don't care who you are. I don't care what you value. I don't care what your background. I don't care what you came from. I don't, don't bring that with you. Don't bring any of that mess. Don't bring any of that with you, okay? If you're going to be here, you must be like us, right? It's one dominant culture. It doesn't matter who you are. Just be like us. And that, that's blah. Okay. In today's culture, why it's rare is because in today's culture, it's rare that somebody can actually step into a place and be themselves for one of two reasons. Either people allow them to be themselves or they're not afraid to be themselves. It's rare that you get somebody who can just be themselves. Now, I think what we as a whole believe we're working towards is a multicultural effort. This is what we're pushing for. Multicultural is messy. It's very messy. And it's, and it's messy in America because we accept everybody. We want everybody. Come one, come all, right? It's messy. It's difficult. It's uphill. But it's real. It's real. And I love that. I think there's tremendous opportunity in it if we could all just get along, right? But the truth is our past hurts us. Previous generations of pure ignorance affect us, affect me and you. I'm not those people, though, and neither are you. And your heart can hurt for the past. Mine does. Breaks my heart. But you don't have to live in that. You can be part of the solution. But the more we stir the pot from the past, the more divided we become. The more we look back, the more that we look back, the more offended we are moving forward. To be multicultural, we must get past our personal prejudice. How do we do that? This is really simple. Nothing can cure your prejudice like gaining firsthand experience and working to understand people who don't look like you. What I'm saying is if you've never been treated like a minority, you can't pretend to know what it feels like to be a minority. 
If you've never been poor, you can't pretend to know what it's like to be in poverty. And if you've never been to that country, you can't pretend to know that culture. In everything with everyone, have some empathy, right? Nobody who looks differently than you needs you to be their savior. They don't. They only need you to acknowledge and try to understand, work to understand. Again, operate in love. By this, by this, people will know that you follow Jesus. Why? Why? Because compassion plus community unite people. When we stand united, we've eliminated our prejudice. A long way to go, right? I'm saying that. Compassion and community unite people. See this in John 17, 20, 21. Jesus says, I'm praying for everyone. That's the human race. For all, for all those who will ever believe and trust in me, that they all may be one just as you. Father, you are in me and I am in you. That they also may be one in us. So that the world, the world, remind, if, you're, if you're highlighting or underlining, you can underline the world, may believe without any doubt that you sent me. That's, that's all really great. Here's what I want you to see. Even if you can't get down with all, with the all and the they and the one, he says the world, the world. And when he says the world, he's talking to you. He's talking to us, us meaning Russian, Latin, American, Afghani, French, Italian, Native American, Catholic, Lutheran, Baptist, Muslim, Jehovah's Witnesses, that all people would believe without a doubt. That speaks to denominational and interdenominational churches too, right? And so if you know anything about the start of our country, what is now 331 million people was then only 2.5 million people. And we look back and we just think those are a bunch of white people, okay? And it's okay to think that, but those were French and English and Irish and Italian and every other person, and they didn't get along either. They didn't get along either. Matter of fact, they didn't, they didn't get along so much that they spread themselves out along the East Coast. And what I want and I hope that you see today is fighting together is what united them. Fighting together, uniting, coming together is what united them. They fought together to eliminate what threatened their freedom. People, the human race at that time fought together to eliminate what threatened their freedom. What is threatening your freedom today? Now, here's what I hope you see about the people from a long time ago, and I'm not trying to be anything but truthful in saying this. The people who founded the country a long time ago were not thinking emotionally. They were thinking very logically. They were not acting on emotion, and they weren't drowning in an overload of social media and they weren't addicted to their phone eight to 10 hours a day. That's what you had, you had logical thinkers. When you flip to current day, what I want and hope that you see is the people behind your screen are thinking very logically and they're being very strategic and they're flooding you with information to force you to continue to act out of emotion. Because they know that you're listening with your eyes and you're thinking from your emotions. And because you listen with your eyes and not your ears, that triggers your emotion, which keeps us disconnected with each other. So then, don't become anything to social media, but disconnected. Don't let social media fool you. 
Social media was created to keep us connected socially, but it's become nothing but media. It's all transitioned to media. Even in personal posts, what do you see? What do you see? You see the same stuff, different people. Same dances, different people. Just media. People are calling it throwaway media, right? Anything you can do, I can do better. Originality is rare when you look at social media today. Why? You have a bunch of copycats. Oh, that's a song and that's a dance. Let's do that, right? And what you have on social media today, when you get outside of agendas and politics, is a lot of people imitating, you have a lot of people imitating others' potential instead of living up to their own. Because I botched that, let me tell you again. A lot of people, is what you have on social media, a lot of people imitating others' potential instead of living up to their own. And that's real. So then, we talked omnicultural, which is shelf your beliefs and your values, and just agree, just go along to get along, okay? And we talked multicultural, which is real, it's messy, it's hard, it's difficult, but it's real, right? But the goal is neither omni or multi. We should be moving toward kingdom culture. What's kingdom culture? That God's will would be done on earth as it will be in heaven, right? What we see in John 17, if John 17 comes to fruition, that's kingdom culture, that we would be one, that we would stand together, that the world, that the world, all of us would believe without a doubt. It's what you see in the Lord's Prayer, which is found in Matthew 6. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Why? Why? Because 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So then, the opposite is true. Where the spirit of evil is, there is bondage. Where evil exists, you get lies, you get corruption, you get envy, you get jealousy, you get greed, you get fear, racism, prejudice, oppression. Where the spirit of evil is, elitism, all those things. Where the spirit of evil is, you get these things. And what I want you to see today is that all people, regardless of race, color, culture, religion, regardless of all those things, are people first. They're human beings, creation of God. And it's wrong and thoughtless to blame a whole group that's not even a whole group for the actions of few. There's no logic in blaming or separating and saying, you're that and you're that. There's no logic in that whatsoever. Evil is evil. Regardless of who performs the action or what uniform they are wearing at the time of the action, the root is evil. And as long as we allow it to exist, it will be. As long as that spirit is around, we will operate in it. Now, where the spirit of God is present, where the spirit of God is present, you get truth and you get love, which is the opposite of fighting each other. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, the source of light, yet invisible to mankind. And those who worship him must worship, must, not a half-hearted, not a half-truth, must worship in spirit and truth, must. That's where he's found. That's where he's present. 
Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, I paraphrase here just a little bit. It says, God uniquely gifted all of us so that the body of Christ may be built up until each, until we all reach unity in the faith, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What's mature? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When that happens, verse 14 says, then we will no longer be infants. Come on, somebody. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Media. All of it. Anything that's not truth. That's what they're saying. Once you become mature, you won't be tossed back and forth by this. That post won't affect you. That news outlet won't bother you. That social media platform won't do that, right? All that stuff. You can dig and find all that stuff to argue and, and gripe and cry about all you want. It's rooted in evil. And it's really rooted in immaturity. We just have a bunch of immature people right now. That's true. And so then, when you become mature, you'll no longer be infants. Infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, lies, deceit, corruption, evil. Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body, the mature country, the mature people, the mature world. This is what the goal of Jesus is, is unity. Who is the head? We will be mature. Of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, the whole earth, the world, joined and held together by every supporting person, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part, as each person, as each one does its work. We are all gifted here. What am I saying? We're all gifted to walk in love. It's a choice, though. It's a choice. And so if you're thinking logically, hopefully now you're with me logically, how immature have we been as a country, as a people, as a world to blame, nitpick, gripe, and rip people apart? We have a bunch of second grade arguments going on right now. People attacking people, attacking personalities, attacking sides, attacking history, attacking anything to keep us here instead of moving forward. Now, in all of that, everyone has a solution, right? We all have a solution. If we would just do that, if we could just do this, if we would just erase that, right? Everyone has a solution. And I'm not saying that anyone is right or wrong, okay? I'm not saying that, that any one of them is wrong. I am saying there is one that is right. There is one that is right. There's one movement. There's one decision that's right. Operate in love. You won't have to worry about what you look like. When you operate in love, that is kingdom culture. That's kingdom culture. And when you operate in love, we're operating in the best interest of others for everyone. The things we argue about, the excuses we make, the way we respond are all signs of great immaturity. 
Scripture tells us unity is only possible when we mature, when we grow up. We just read it. And the truth is, if we all operate in love, we wouldn't have to fear how we're perceived. So what does it look like to walk in love? I'll let you go. John 15, 13 says, No greater love, there is no greater love, no stronger commitment than to lay down your life for your friends, than one to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did this for you. He did this for you. But stick with me. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who have stood for your freedom and died for your freedom. We, America, have fought nearly every country. And we've even fought ourselves. And we're fighting ourselves right now, just not with guns. From 1775 to 2019, this is a bigger stat. Every one of these is super important. I hope that you'll hear me. And I hope that you hear my heart today. From 1775 to 2019, you have 1,498,240 American soldiers of every color, of every culture, of every shape, and every religion who were wounded. 1,498,240. Of those of every color, culture, shape, and religion, 2,852,901 have died, have given their life for you. And we still have 40,031 that are missing. Every soldier matters, every person matters, every freedom matters, regardless of race. Regardless of race, what I hope that you see is we all share one common, one common origin. And it's not just America, it's Adam. It's Adam. God created Adam in the garden. The book of Acts, this is New Testament, the book of Acts tells us that all people come from the same source. Acts 17, 26 says, He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands and territories. So he's saying, we all come from the same source, and He put you here at this time specifically because He believes you can be part of the solution. To take it a step further, when you look at the creation of mankind, back in Genesis, we learn that God created us in His image. That's Genesis 1:27. And so what you see in this is, is Jesus isn't one culture and he isn't one color. He is all of them. And you were made in his image. We all come from the same source. And so then being created in God's image means that you're a mirror or you a refle- you're a reflection of him. This also means that everyone, regardless of race or ethnicity, has intrinsic value. That You have great value. You have great worth to God because he made you in his image. Our dignity is natural and it's inherited. you're, You're automatically born with dignity. You're automatically born with dignity because you're created in the image of God. So then any form of evil, corruption, oppression, racism, elitism, discrimination, any form of that is not just a social issue. It's a sin issue. And the bigger issue in all of this is that we're looking for people to solve these issues instead of looking to God and asking for forgiveness of our sin. It's a sin issue. At the root, it's a sin issue. And so then, by treating anyone inferior because they look different than you is evil. 
It's a sin. And if we're going to be the generation that achieves unity, the first thing that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to speak honestly. Honesty must exist, period. No lip service. Meaning that we call out any form and every form of discrimination, oppression, racism, any of that stuff must be called exactly what it is. Sin. Because it's rooted in evil. Because God can only begin the unifying process when the sin is addressed. He can only begin the unifying process in you, in your relationship with Him, when it's addressed, in a people group, in a culture, and in a country, when the sin is addressed. And if we would ask for forgiveness and operate in love, we would treat each other like image bearers. And we'd stop treating each other like labels that somebody created way before us. We'd we'd treat people like they were made in the image of God. And so then, moving forward, we must stake our identity in Jesus. Meaning, assert your rights as a son or a daughter of the King. It's John 1.12. But to all who have received Him, those who believe in His name, He has given the right to become God's children. 1 Corinthians 6.17 6, says, But if you give your heart to the Lord, you and Jesus are joined together as one person. If today's your day to do that, please text or email me and we'll have a conversation. I would love to stand with you and pray. When we do not walk in the authority of who God's called us to be, we tend to hear people and we tend to refer to ourselves by our color and our culture first and by our beliefs second. And technically, that's incorrect because you're putting God in the place of second. And more importantly, 60% of our country doesn't have a belief, right? And so when you think of the word Christian and how you refer to yourself, Christian acts as the noun and typically gets uh, modified by the racial adjective, the cultural adjective. And so then what we tend to call ourselves is we are white Christians, African-American Christians, Asian Christians. We are, you know, Lebanese, all of these. Okay. And if you, if you do that, then, then that would mean that race or culture would modify who you are as a believer, as a Christian. However, your identity is in Christ. It's in Christ, which is our position in Christ. That makes us as a Christian, period, who happens to be a certain race, color, culture, type, all those things. And so then, our position in Christ makes us Christians, believers, who happen to be how God made us or who God made us to be. Your identity as a believer, as a Christian, is so important. It's so important because how you perceive yourself will determine your actions. It's going to determine your actions. Your identity is to be in Christ first, not to be a label first who believes. Your identity is to be in Christ first, and then everything else should and will come underneath it. If you believe that Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added to you. When you seek God first, when you identify with God first, when you see yourself as a believer first, everything else will come underneath. 
in everything. God does not ask you to deny or to shelf what you look like or where you came from. He does ask you to not let it get in the way of your character, of your relationship, and your commitment as a believer. There's only one agenda, and there's only one movement that matters. And when it comes to the human race, it's unity, it's kingdom culture, it's God's will, and it's our hope. And so today, embrace what you look like, embrace where you're from, be who you are, and never, ever, ever let racial identity interfere with biblical truth. You're a son, you're a daughter, and you've been called to have more and to be more by God. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to share this message, to give your perspective, to shine your light on an issue, Lord, that we need to get real about. Help us, Lord, to not point fingers, cast blame, but help us, Lord, to get the speck out of our eye, get the plank out of our eye first. Help us to fix our hearts in this so we can see John 17 fulfilled, so we can see Matthew 6 fulfilled, Lord, that your kingdom would come. We would see kingdom culture on earth. We would see unity here. Lord, you say that, that you're not coming until everybody's heard your name. Lord, let that be. Let it be. Thank you for a movement, Lord, that we can't comprehend that only you get credit for. Lord, when every other avenue and way seems dead, thank you for bringing life. Thank you for bringing life to people. For those people who are making a decision to follow you today, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking this word, Lord. Thank you for multiplying it. Thank you for helping to change people's lives. Thank you, Lord, that we will leave different today. And we're going to be intentional, intentional about our relationship, about our commitment, about who we are in you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefine Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.